LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning team, I hope you are well this Sunday morning and having a lovely weekend. Steve Allen here with you for the next couple of hours. Coming up in an hour's time, I'll be in conversation with actress Cara Toynton. who will be telling us about coping with her dyslexia while growing up. And the Girls Aloud star Kimberly Walsh who talks about her lifelong love of the West End stage. But for now, we've got my best bits of the week. There were some fantastic stories in the weekend papers, which I just had to revisit on Monday. The funniest one was poor old Price, that well-known ex-glamour model, who's not at all exciting in anybody's shape or form. And she took to her column this week to criticise... Who do you think? Only Phil Schofield. Because Philip Schofield had tweeted a picture of some of Sarah Harding's hair on the couch and had done a little funny line saying, look what she left behind. Jordan thought this was bullying. And so Jordan, a bit thick upstairs, I'm afraid, not, not the brightest penny in the box, said how disgraceful it was of Philip Schofield to bully. Whereas, in fact, in the very same column, Katie Price bullied Kelly Brook if you remember, about the size of her and called her a heifer. Incidentally, if you're learning how to spell popsikins, we'll send you a dictionary because your spelling is about as atrocious as anything that you've ever done in your entire life. And so, uh, so she, she rounded on him. Philip Schofield came back quite brilliantly with the fact, I'm sorry, bullying? What do you think you're doing to Kelly Brook? And by the way, the hair, just to point this out to poor, poor old Katie Price, she had a little bit of a trim if you'll pardon the expression, in the dressing room, and they, they picked it up afterwards. So it wasn't, it wasn't bullying at all, Katie, but nevertheless, you know, you're still as dumb as ever, and still your column is as bad as it could be. Not half as bad as Carol McGiffin's. Carol McGiffin used to be feisty, you know, up there, really attacking everything and being outspoken. People used to say, God, she's gobby. Geez, this. The column, I'm only assuming it's being written by somebody who's taken a spoonful of sugar. It's wet in the extreme. It's, oh, I love so-and-so, I love so-and-so. Whereas me, I've had enough of Helen Mirren. I don't want to say... What is it? I mean, sorry, is every paper the Helen Mirren show? Because the old woman's dyed her hair pink, she's gone out there to the BAFTAs. It's cra- Even she must be surprised at the coverage she's getting. I can't even remember if she won a prize or not. I don't know, perhaps she got a coconut or something, the most original hairstyle. You know, how to make yourself look like a, you're sort of wearing a crash helmet at the same time, but you've dyed it pink. Because every paper, they go, here's Helen Mirren, here's Helen Mirren, here's Helen Mirren. You go, all right, so there's Helen Mirren. And I got into real trouble the other day. God, I was talking to a friend of mine because I'd watched an interview with Dame Judi Dench on the television, being interviewed by so- Sophie Rayworth. And Sophie reminded her that she was 78. Not the kind of thing you want to remind... You know, the lovely Dame Judi Dench. And she said, when you sort of, you know, um, die in the film. And so I said to a friend of mine, I said, you know, I said, because and she talked to her about dying. And a friend of mine went, I haven't seen the film yet. And I've just told her, oh, I've just, oh, I've ruined it again. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe I've just done that. Is that unbelievable? Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Well, there you go. Oh, by the way, Bambi, Bambi's mum dies as well, you know. I can kill the endings of everything. I wouldn't mind, but the film's been out for such a long time now. In fact, you can pre-order it, because I think it comes out in about five days on DVD. So that's for people who've seen it. But a friend of mine went, oh, thanks. I went, that's okay. 
Oh, I can't believe I've just done that. Honestly, what I like? What am I like? Go, I'll be telling the end of Noddy and Biggies in Toy Town next and things like I did that once. On the, there was a lovely piece in one of the papers about um, a piece in Coronation Street and somebody wrote in complaining bitterly. It's absolutely outrageous. I shall never listen to Steve Allen ever again. That was a woman. And uh, it's absolutely disgraceful because, you know, he gave away the ending and Coronation... I thought, it's only... It's pretend. There is no place called Weatherfield. There is no pub called The Rover's Return. Grow up and get a life, you saddo. And I, I, I can't wait to tell people endings. I cannot wait to tell... The moment that thing, that little tram, came off the viaduct, I was the first one to tell everybody. Because I thought, nah, stuff you. I don't really care, actually. It's only, it's only a bit of make-believe. It's a bit of flotsam and jetsam on the television. It sort of whiles away a few hours, doesn't it? What did I watch this morning? I thought it was really stood up well. Lovejoy. I like Lovejoy with Ian McShane. It looks, it looks somewhat dated, but I just... I like the programme. I was—I don't know what channel it was. It, it could have been. I, f- I flipped through the channels in the morning, and I get this really bizarre thing, which is a program called Sex Cetera, which frankly has me cringing. I—I re- I mean, you know, a lot of big-bosomed women, not the ones who feature on the other channels where they're lying, you know, on a bed talking to nobody. Mm, you're lovely. Mm, phone me. Mm. And I'm thinking, are they in pain or something? Perhaps they've got some. Perhaps they've got an out mouth ulcer or an abscess. Because there's a lot of moaning and writhing about. Now, you need to see a doctor, quite definitely. Lovely pictures in the in the papers of lots of lots of well-known celebrities, which is great. It's nice to see them out on the uh, the town. Uh, unfortunately, all all the main celebrities didn't get as far as BAFTA. Because, you know, you don't want anybody from Essex pitching up at BAFTA, do you? It's for proper people. You know, they need to go down the road to the local Locarno. You know, if they're having a big bosomed party, then that's the one you should stick in on. Locals in Malta are in uproar at the appointment of a cultural ambassador to the capital. Peter Andre. Peter who? Apparently the permatanned pop statesman who's still 39. He must be having... Is he not having birthdays anymore? I thought he was about 55 now, but anyway. He has no links to the Mediterranean island, was unanimously voted by Valletta city councillors to promote the rich history and architecture of the World Heritage Site. Peter Andre? Have they got it wrong? Do you think they thought they were getting somebody else? Peter Andre can barely string two words together. He wouldn't know anything about culture and stuff like that. Anyway, they say here, the letter should be handled with honour. Peter Andre should be the last person to carry such a prestigious and important title. I mean, why didn't they go to, you know, Britney Spears, whose great-great-grandfather was Maltese, Brian Adams, whose grandmother was Maltese, Kim Valentine, who played Libyan Neighbours, is a Maltese person, and Snookerace, Tony Drago, was born in Valletta. And they picked Peter Andre. God in heaven! I mean, I mean, was it some? Is it a joke? It must be. It must be a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Peter Andre. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I can't see it at all. I just don't see it. Some this morning are running uh, Gaza aid. Uh, they're calling on the England football stars to help uh, save the stricken legend Paul Gascoigne. I'd be more interested to find out who's not given money. You know, because this is this is where where the sun can really flex its metal. And this is where it can really uh, go to footballers and go, so, so, so David uh, Beckham, uh, how much would you like to, how much would we put you down for, for helping to save Gaza? Because they reckon, you know, the 30 grand has gone already. Could, could cost up to £100,000. Quite clearly, poor old Gascoigne hasn't got thruppence to rub together. And so wouldn't have medical insurance or anything like that. So he has to rely on friends. But in fact, he doesn't actually have any friends. What he has is people who he used to play football with, or he didn't play football with, but he doesn't have any friends. Somebody was saying, one of his so-called friends in the paper the other day, the problem with Paul Gascoigne is he's lonely. And if you're lonely, you go out and drink, because drinking gives you that, that kind of boost 
to make you think you've got loads of friends and you're terribly funny. Whereas he is neither, I'm afraid. So they're looking for money. But I'd love to see the list of people. If I, how, how much can we put you down for, David? A thousand. OK. And you've got 190 million and you've just decided that you're going to give all your money to helping children in France. And here's poor old Gascoigne in a clinic in America, needing the money. And so uh, a lot of other people have, have given. Three Lions Association, Jack Wilshire, chipped in five grand. He said, I want to do anything I can. I don't want to appear churlish on things like this, but, I mean, I don't know how much he earns. But I should imagine five grand is like a drop in the ocean. Wayne Rooney could afford to give £100,000 straight off. Wouldn't make any difference at all. They could all afford to do it. The truth of the matter is, they don't want to be seen to be giving too much, and they don't want to be seen to be giving too little, and they don't want to be seen to not give any at all. Because you might as well have people with collecting boxes in the street, mightn't you? Go around, help save Gaza, help save Gaza. So uh, now they want the, the cash for rehab. They said um, over the weekend, they said, oh, he's, he's done this and he's done that. It's nothing to do with uh, his alcoholism or coming off or things like that. It'll be to do with the medication. The medication will be the thing that makes him ill. And so they have to sort of rush him in. But everything in America costs money. Every single thing in America costs money because over there they don't have the National Health Service. Over here, you should be terribly grateful we have the National Health Service. They don't have anything like that over there. People have insurance. They have medical insurance. If you've got medical insurance, you can pay for the medication. And the first thing they ask you when you go into hospital is, uh, have you got details of your medical insurance? And if you go no, then it's, it's a credit card job. And it can cost a serious amount of money. Actually, even over here, I'm not equating it to the same thing, but a friend of mine has got, has got two cats. And one of them has not been very well. Recently, they don't know what's the matter with it. So it wasn't eating for a couple of days. It was, mm, you know, what cats are like. They're real drama queens. I said, oh, I couldn't eat a thing, honestly. I'm really, oh, I can barely drag myself off the settee. But the food in the bowl. Could you not bring the bowl to me? You know, they don't even fetch sticks, do they, cats? I mean, they don't do anything sensible. Like, you know, here's a ball. The cat will just look at it and go, well, like, bring it within, you know, shot of my paw, and then I might actually make a grab for it. So the rest of the time, they're asleep. They just sleep all the time, like most cats. You know, I think I think the majority of lions and things like that sleep for about 22 hours a day, and, and pussycats at home are the same. Get up this morning? I don't think so. I'm going to stay in... Go outside? For what? To go to the toilet? No. No. I shall wee and poo in the corner. I don't care what anybody says. And so she's had this cat, and it's not been very well. So she takes it to the vet, and all vets do the same. They keep you in there as long as possible because you're paying for it. And so far, he sort of rubbed its tummy, and he could tell by rubbing its tummy what was the matter with it. It wasn't eating. And, um, and so he sort of gave her this stuff which he mixed up, which was a bit like porridge. Of course, the cat, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. It's garbage. Give me some proper food. I don't want to eat that either. I'm just going to make you worry. I might just lie down and pretend to be dead. Oh, look at me. Look, I'm lying here dead. No, I'm not. So anyway, she, she had to put it on her finger and then the cat would just about, you know, could be bothered to actually lick it off her finger. So by day two, things were looking a little bit better. Day three, it's OK. The cat started eating again. Vet's bill... 350 quid. You don't find a poor vet lady because people go, well, do you want to save your animal or do you want it to die? No, we want to save the animal. 350 quid. She said, the moment you have a little bit of medicine or an injection, it costs money. I said, please God, it never needs an operation. I can remember we used to have, we used to do a veterinary programme on LBC and it was very popular, very, very popular. And somebody went back to this vet's house, which was, which was in London. He said, 
He's doing really well. He said, you open the front door and you could look all the way through the house down to the tennis courts and the swimming pool. I thought, that's a rich vet. And they, they were all over the place because people want to look after their animals and they make you... Pay. We're strange. We, we, we bung old people in homes. We don't care about them, do we? we? We'd spend money on a mouse or a dog or a cat or something like that. I think an anaconda and an elephant, to be quiet. Imagine taking one of those into your local vet surgery. Towards the end of the week, I was quite taken with the idea of a micro-pig until I remembered how much of a mess it would probably make. Well, let's take a quick break here, after which there's more from Paul Gascoigne again. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, undue attention was given to something that I hate. Helen Mirren's new pink hair. I mean, honestly, how much of an attention seeker can you be? Having mentioned on the programme yesterday, I noticed that, uh, that we were all picking up on how Dame Helen Mirren's hair had turned pink... And she was doing it for charity, which is great. But then today, and to be honest with you, I thought she'd done it herself. No, somebody has pitched up here, uh, John Friedus, senior colourist, who did it. I'd keep, I'd keep very quiet on that. It looked dreadful. To be honest with you, that's the best that John Frieda could manage on pink. It was, it was a bit kind of wasted on me. So they've, he's done a whole feature on how I turned Helen's hair pink. Well, you didn't. It was just a really cheap rinse through it. And that's a top colourist. The moment I read it, I nearly fell off my chair laughing. I thought it was just so, so awful. So then you have to get the uh, the reporter to get her hair done a little bit pink, because it just looks ridiculous. I've never seen anything so stupid in my entire life, but they like to, they like to make something of it, do they not? Uh, Robbie Williams apparently has written his first song for his new baby, Teddy, and it made us sick. Not surprised, most songs. Um, here's um, Paul Gascoigne in the papers, still living, even though... Surprisingly, a lot of people have said they, they just don't give anything for him at all. So they've had, they've had a whip round, and they've got 40,000 quid in. 40,000 quid. So I thought, well, that would just be one footballer, wouldn't it? One, one, one footballer would give 40,000 quid, because cause they make about 250,000 quid a week. So that it wouldn't even be a couple of days' wages to give 40,000 quid. Now, apparently, uh, this was from the Football Association, Stephen Gerrard. I mean, a whole load of people whole load of people. They've all sort of backed it. And you think, well, how much have you given? They've only got 40 grand in. I mean, the rate it's going here, it's under about two grand each, apparently. And this is helping. He's a hero to the squad. Yeah, he is now. You've been pushed by the blooming newspapers. Up until then, they all kept their mouths firmly shut, didn't they? Paul Gascoigne's ill. He could die. Can you give some money? The son have got behind it. Oh, yeah, we give some money. How much have they given? Answer, diddly squat, ladies and gentlemen. 40 grand. Absolutely nothing at all. Mr Bevington said the FA and England football team will do whatever it takes to help Paul Gascoigne's recovery. It's Codswallop, isn't it? It is absolute Codswallop. These people have got more money than God. They've got more money than Vatican City put together, and they've only come up with 40 grand. Wayne Rooney by himself could come up with twice that amount, and it wouldn't make any difference to his weekly wages. I mean, does he have so many charitable commitments? How much has David Beckham given? How much have all of them given? Will you ever know? Of course, because they'll be telling you in no uncertain terms exactly who's given what. That's what they do. People tell you about charity nowadays because they, they have to be seen to be giving money, you know, because then it makes it look good. But nobody did it until they were asked by the Sun newspaper. It took the Sun newspaper 
very quickly, you know, to sort of push these people forward. Up until then, they did nothing. I did laugh about um, Kerry Katona, who in this programme about screwed-up boy bands, you know, the Group 5, who've only got four in, because one doesn't want anything to do with it. Although I'm reliably informed he'll be, uh, he'll be popping up. I believe they're filming him. I can only tell you that because we know somebody who knows him and says he's had the cameras in his house all week. But, uh, but the worst thing is, um, uh, the, the, you know, five are all carrying a lot of mental baggage. I mean, boy, are they mental. You've got Sean and Scott are troubled... Jay's vanished completely. Richie Neville has reinvented himself as an Australian. An Italian... Wait for this one. This is the biggest laugh. Italia Conti, educated Richard Breen from Enfield, has become a West Indian called Ab's Love. Have you seen it? talk like this. He's a, he's a boy from Enfield. He was always a fraud. You listen to him talk... Yeah, and that cat say to me... He, what? What? What language are you speaking? Is you jiving me, man? Is you, he's come up with all this... It's like watching the film Shaft in the 70s. It's like, it's like watching all these people with big Afro wigs and, and sort of thigh-length boots. I couldn't quite get to grips with it. Abs Breen, who are you, darling? What? I know he was always called Abs, but his name's Richard, OK? His name's Richard. He's a little sweet boy from Enfield, and he went to the Italia Conte school. Do you think Italia Conte talking him to talk like this? You know, wicked, that cat, he said to me, you know, he said... You went to Italia Conte, did you? Yes, I know, but you were cleaning, dear. That was the difference. You were in there with a broom and a mop, OK? A bit like Susan Boyle dancing it with around the crowd. I am beautiful, I can be a star. But Abs Bream, I mean, it's the f- funniest thing to listen to. and You've never anything like it. The man's an idiot. Complete idiot. Um, uh, <laughs> Loose Women on Tuesday, Carol Vorderman. Would you like to see any of us learn a new skill? Please send in your suggestions. And Ali Ross says, or paper bags. Which would be quite nice, wouldn't it? I mean, they haven't got any ideas on that programme at all. They've got no... They can't even think of anything themselves. They're so dumb down there. Carol Vorderman, a supposedly intelligent woman, has to ask, what skills would you like to see us learn? How about vanish, dear, in a puff of smoke? That'd do me. Mustn't rant, mustn't rant, don't rant. Don't rant this morning. They're very... They're nice people. They're nice people. They're really... It's a, it's a good... Pro, it's a really good programme. Get the Pope on. That'd be a good one. So, tell us, Joseph. So, what does it feel like to be an ordinary pensioner, surrounded by all these... Maf- sorry, these uh, bodyguards which you have around Vatican City? I'm frightened to eat any meat now. It's all a load of old pony, isn't it? Everywhere you go, it's just... It's horse. Now, Tesco. Again, Tesco. have had to clear shelves of stuff because it turns out it's blooming horse meat again. So, well done there. And this is Tesco, everyday value, and by God, it really is. It's spaghetti bolognese. And strangely enough, on the picture, they have a picture of cows. Do you not think Tesco should really come clean with you again for the second time and tell you it's horse meat? You're eating horse meat. 60%. The supermarket said there was no trace of the veterinary drug. Butte. Oh, thank God for that. Oh, so we're all right there, then. Oh, oh, that's all right. Tesco, don't worry about you anymore, because I've got your money. I mean, should you take the item back or just go in and throw up in front of them? I begin to wonder, you know, whether or not we're going to start seeing cases in court of people suing, saying, I bought Tesco's spag bol, and it's 100% nag. So it's nag bol. We joked about it last week. Do you remember? Nag bol. We joked about it last week on the programme. Little realising that Tesco were hoodwinking you. They've got horse on sale. You can go and buy it. It's on sale as Spagbol. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I wonder, really, whether or not you're going to give up now going to Tesco, whether you're going to give up buying anything from Finder. You can't trust these companies. 
It's not good enough, is it? It's not good enough. They say we will not take food from this particular place. They say value spaghetti bolognese should contain only Irish beef. How many horses have gone missing in Ireland? Come on, put your hand up. Hundred? Two hundred? Five hundred? Thousand? Two thousand? Ten thousand? Horses going missing. This is horses who are unaccounted for. This is in Northern Ireland. Twenty thousand? Thirty thousand? Forty thousand? No, surely not. Seventy thousand horses are unaccounted for in Northern Ireland. They reckon they could have ended up in your meat products. That's how bad it is, because criminal traders are forging passports and microchips required for horses under EU law to sell them for meat. Romanians eat horse meat. 26 abattoirs in the country dedicated to slaughtering horses. They take them in there. You can go to YouTube. Watch for yourself how they slaughter horses. <laughs> Bullet through the head, upside down, chop the head off and then stripped. And then the carcass is sold back to us as beef, or as we prefer to call it, nag bowl. And there it is on sale in Tesco. Second time Tesco have done it. Second time. Makes you wonder who else is flogging this stuff. I've told you before, don't go to any of these fast food places and buy a burger. OK? Turns out the chicken's a bit suspect as well. In all these, They're buying cheap crap food. It's as simple as that. You go to any of these places, they're selling low-rent stuff. If they can afford to do a burger and chips and a soft drink for £2.50, you're buying horse. OK? It's as simple as that. And the reason is because there's more profit on horse. You can buy a horse for 10 quid in Romania. You can have it slaughtered. I mean, even a good quality horse is only £100. So it, it, it goes to prove that, you know, there's money in it. And where there's money in it, there's corruption. Where there's corruption, there's idiots like you buying it in these fast food places. You feel like standing outside with a big sign saying, you know you're buying cheap, chronically cheap burgers in this place. Don't buy them. I wouldn't buy anything now that said value on it or essential. Anything that's got the word kind of cheap written in there, I wouldn't be remotely interested. I really wouldn't. It worries me. I'll tell you the other thing you can't get. And I don't know if there's a world shortage or if I've stumbled on something. I used to go into M&S. Happy days. And I would go into M&S and I would buy roast potatoes for roasting. You know when you go in there and they're in a metal tin and they've sometimes got fat in there and everything else and you put them in the oven? No roast potatoes. They don't do roast potatoes anymore. So I think, this is a bit strange. So I go to Waitrose. Roast pot- no roast potatoes. They don't do roast potatoes anymore. There's a world shortage of roast potatoes. Is it, yeah, but I'm sorry, I don't buy roast potatoes. I'm a convenient shopper, OK? I'm, I'm the sort of person who goes there. That's why I keep Marks and Spencers open and Waitrose for people like me. It's for people like me, idiots who cannot cook. I expect people to do it for me. I just reheat. But no roast potatoes. Chips, and they've got Rosti, and they've got potato croquettes, but no roast potatoes. So there's obviously something sinister going on here. You don't think donkeys, and there's a very good chance you're eating donkey as well, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I, uh, I haven't eaten anything recently that would be associated with Eeyore or anybody like that. But they reckon donkeys are now being used as well to put into the food chain. Why? Because they're cheap. Because they're cheap. You know, you can slaughter these animals very easily abroad, and then they just bring them in and go, it's beef. It's beef. And Tesco's go, oh, is it? Yes, yes, yes. Have you checked? No, of course we haven't. Too busy going, by God, we're making a good profit on this one. They're doing a really good deal. We can offer it as Tesco value. 
Tesco Value Nag Bowl. And here it is. So funny, we mentioned it last week on the programme. Then blow me down. Tesco's get wrapped over the knuckles and smacked on their little bottoms again for flogging you horse. You can't trust these places, can you? I mean, I'm looking here at... Uh, this is Morrison's. And they've got family apple blackberry and raspberry pie for £1.29. Do you think it's real apple? It could be something else, couldn't it? I mean, it could be anything. Do you think it's real, real blackberries? I mean, for pound twenty nine, you've got to look at the fact it's cheap and it's got pastry. And it serves six. Not the people we've seen on this television programme. This would serve one person. The fat bloke who works in the market, and as I say, I'd love to see his tax bill, this would just be a snack for him. And he thinks he's a bit of a gigolo. A whole family, ladies and gentlemen, of uglies. It is not possible to have that many people with that many teeth missing in one group of people. How possible is it? Answer, very possible. Just go to this suburb of Manchester and there they all are. You don't get that sort of riffraff in London. OK, maybe you do. Don't forget at six, we've got In Conversation. On today's show, we catch up with EastEnders star Cara Toynton and singer-turned-ballroom-dancer Kimberly Walsh. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, here's the LBC 97.3 News at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen from the week. At six this morning, we have In Conversation with Cara Toynton, who talks about dealing with difficult people whilst working on EastEnders, and Kimberly Walsh, who tells us about preparing for the Girls Aloud tour. But for now, let's carry on with my best bits. The Catholic Church had a shock announcement this week. The Pope was giving up work for Lent. That's right, Pope Benedict XVI is resigning. But this just raised a whole host of questions for me. You can have two popes. If you're Catholic, you can have two popes. Because one hasn't died. You can't just not be pope the next minute. And so now, and then, and the other thing that was raised that I never thought about before, you know, I, I quite understand two popes, one that they'll keep hidden. Although, although Vatican City have said, no, he'll, he'll be free to wander about. He's the pope. Don't be ridiculous. Of course he won't be. Um, but the, the thing is, he's going he's gonna to do his writings. Well, each pope have their own thoughts on different things. So you might have two popes, the, the ex-pope and the new pope, who might clash. One might say one thing, go, excuse me, I'm the pope. And the other one's going, well, I'm still pope as far as I'm concerned. And all the Catholics going, I'm sorry, what's going on here? All the ones I saw being interviewed on the television were horrified. Horrified yesterday. I was equally horrified when I came in this morning to discover that Martine McCutcheon has gone bust. And that ties in quite nicely to the, oh, you're gorgeous, you're wonderful, you're great. Yes, the uh, singing midget, although she doesn't sing, Lorraine Kelly, who's done an interview with Piers Drogan on his tedious show. I mean, honestly, she's only a woman who does a programme in the morning. She's not a celebrity. And, she's, and all she talks about, what an embarrassment to her daughter, is uh, how Ben Affleck or somebody gazed down on her heaving chest. And that's the basis of the interview. That's how desperately sad Piers Morgan's... Pro- they can't get anybody. Wait a minute, can we get Lorraine Kelly? Oh, she said she'll do it for free. Get Lorraine Kelly in. She'll talk about her bosom for you for 20 minutes. So that features in the paper today. And also how some people, she sits there and she glazes over. I told you this before. Comes as no surprise to me. I'm an expert on people interviewing, let me tell you. And she said she glazes over and all she thinks is, how am I going to get two and a half minutes out of this? And I'm thinking, you're in the wrong job, love. If you really struggle to get two and a half minutes out of somebody, you're definitely in the wrong job. Definitely in the wrong job. She'll be in makeup even as we speak, I should imagine. Ten past 
Well, she's been in makeup for probably about an hour and a half, I would think. Looks like she trowels it on. I don't know why there's the interest in Lorraine Kelly. She's perfectly acceptable as the girl next door. And the other thing she tells you is about her love life. Who is remotely interested in this short, dumpy little... It's like Anne Widdicombe discussing things like that. I don't want to hear it. Mind you wouldn't hear it from Anne Widdicombe, would you? I mean, I don't think it's very likely at all, I'm afraid. Uh, but Martine McCutcheon going bust. Now, I'm afraid it kind of annoys me. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to be annoyed about it, because I've, I've been out socially with Martine. I do like her. I do, don't get me wrong, I do like her. But what I absolutely hate is people who don't pay their way. We all earn money in the business that we're in. Some of you, of course, don't, and you're called spongers. But the rest of people earn money. And you earn money, and what you're supposed to do is you actually put money aside to pay your taxes. That's how it works. You don't start, you know, I, I don't think coming up to tax, right, I've got my tax money there, oh, what the hell, let's go and blow it on a car. Let's go and buy a brand new Bentley, you know, and not bother paying, paying the tax man. There'll be people now going, how much is he earning? You know, I've told you before, a quarter of a million is basic. And so you look at Martine McCutcheon, who's had hit records, she's had a hit book, she's had hit films, she's uh, had a hit show, nearly had a hit show, Cameron McIntosh swore blind he'd never work with her again, I think, after My Fair Lady and the fiasco that went on there because she became ill. And, and so she's got debts of 187,000 quid. 140,000 of this she owes the tax man. So, in other words, she's spent money she's had, OK? This is how it works. Somebody gives you the money. Your agent goes, right, I've deducted my 20% and uh, the rest is yours. And she's gone, oh, because she's only... In a, it was only in 2003 she was living in a million-pound house... You know, she had all these things. It was all very successful. Then between then and now, I mean, she's only just finished the Activia, Activia yoghurt thing. She, they've replaced her with Gok Wan, But she must have earned a good, good God in heaven. I mean, more than £100,000 easily for that advert. If somebody fronts something, and I know because I spoke to one of the... I don't know how much she earned, but I know from one of the directors because he was filming her in a rowboat. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, oh, I, I, I gather you're filming for a yoghurt thing. She said, how do you know that? I said, because I know the uh, the director. Or he could be a producer, I'm not sure. Either way. And so she said, oh, I said, I gather it's going to be in a rowboat. She said, no, it's not. She said, I don't do rowboats. And I thought, oh, OK. What, for this much money? Of course you do rowboats. You do anything. As it turned out, it wasn't. It was it was static. And um, and then I thought, she's earned a lot of money. So she's obviously spent it. They're in rented accommodation, her and her old man at the moment, out in Isha, which is not cheap. You know, if you're really going to make an effort to do something and, 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 and sort of try and pay something back, she's obviously got no intention of paying anything back. So what she's done is she's made herself bankrupt. So it's 150 grand owed to the customs and uh, HM Revenue, 30 grand owed to the bank. I think it's Lloyd's Bank. And so what you do is, and, and this, is, this is where it really, really annoys me, you make yourself bankrupt, you write off your debt, you don't pay Bugger all to the inland revenue. And then in a year's time, she's back to square one. She can carry on earning money. And you think, it's wrong, isn't it? It's wrong. We had it with um, that dreadful... Oh, who was that old bag who was dancing on ice? Oh, Anthea Drurner. And she was on there. And her sister made herself bankrupt. And her old man... They both declared themselves bankrupt and then wrote a blooming book about it. You know, how to declare yourself bankrupt. Oh, there's no shame in it anymore. No, it's called not paying your blooming way. Everybody else has to pay for it. Everybody else has to pay taxes. People get chased. You don't pay your taxes. Sure as God made little apples. Somebody's going to come knocking on your door. But apparently, if you're a celebrity, you just write it off. 
You just go, well, sod you lot. You could, only little people pay taxes. You, you go and pay your tax. I'm declaring myself bankrupt. You know, I haven't got a hundred... I mean, how on earth it's ever got to that much money? I can't imagine. It must be the knock-on effect. The inland revenue must sit there and weep at the amount of celebrities and other people who go, well, I can't afford to pay. I make myself bankrupt. And that way you write off the debt. It used to be about three years. Now it's about a year. So a year later you come back and you just carry on. Her agent says that she's got um, all sorts of things coming up. I believe... Um, I mean, this bankruptcy came after she negotiated a huge deal uh, for photos of her wedding to musician Jack McManus in September. I mean, she's had, you know, high profile all over the place. And so somebody now comes in and administers her estate or what's... There can't be anything left, can there? And then in a year's time, she just carries on. But in the meanwhile, the Inland Revenue don't get the 150 grand, which I think is just awful. I mean, her... I think, and, you know, money must have rolled into the coffers. I get so angry. You think Anthea Turner's sister, because Anthea's living in a £10 million house. Anthea loves rubbing your dirty little noses in it on how rich she is. And how, even though her, uh, her old man, Grant Bovey, has failed. Failed at most things, including keeping his marriage together. But these people just put themselves in, into, into bankruptcy and they just write it off. They're having a laugh at your expense. I think it's awful. Every time I see that woman on the television, who's that blooming woman who does... She does one of the Cash in the Attic programmes. Lawn Bents, Lawn Spice. She's another one put herself... She's earned a fortune off... T- she's not stopped being on television for years. Another one who couldn't be bothered to pay her bloody taxes. I guess, sorry to get so angry about it. But the rest of us have to do it. You're probably sitting there going, I've just had to pay my tax. And these people with their smug little faces on television go, well, I'm not going to pay my tax. I'm going to make myself bankrupt. It really, really annoys me. I'm trying not to let it annoy me this morning. I'm trying not to have a rant over it. But I just get so angry that most of you... You know, flog your little bottoms to death. Well, I was being polite. You know, and in the end of the day, you pay your taxes. Nobody wants to pay taxes, believe you me. Given the choice, tax avoidance, paying tax. Tax avoidance, paying tax. Jimmy Carr, offshore. Jimmy Carr, offshore, not paying tax. Oh, got got caught out. Gary Barlow, offshore. Oh, sorry, Gary. Don't worry, because you've got, you know, an award from the Queen. So that means it doesn't matter. You can carry on doing that. Barclays have just closed down... The arm of Barclays that told people how to avoid tax. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Otherwise, I'd have moved all my stuff, lock, stock and two smoking barrels, over to Barclays. I had no idea. They've actually got a department that helps you avoid tax. But they've decided, in the interests of the country, they're going to close that one down. Oh, well, bully for them. How much tax did... Wouldn't you just love to find out how much tax Gary Barlow paid last year? Wouldn't you like, like to find out... How much all these people uh, pay. Oh, good news. Oh, good news. Uh, Paul Gascoigne, bless his heart, and thank God for you all raising money. Not that you did, but uh, it was left to some of his rich friends to help. Uh, He's going to be visited today by uh, old Bianca. Old Bianca Gascoigne's going to fly out from Australia, and um, she's planning to dash from her home to be at his bedside as he recovers. I should imagine you're the last bloody person he wants to see, dear. Why would you want to see Bianca Gascoigne, a failed everything? Failed singer, failed... She's tried everything. She pitched up on the X Factor, didn't she? She didn't do much use there. And so she's flying. Oh, will that be a photo opportunity, Bianca? Will you be selling your story of how you hate your, uh, your stepfather? Oh, no, you've done that before, haven't you? I've just remembered, actually. You really loathe him, except when it comes to publicity. This could be a goodie for you. You might be on a money spinner, girl. Go on, go for it. So, so now we've written off Bianca Gascoigne, otherwise known as Little Miss Publicity, otherwise known as Little Miss Desperado. She'll do anything. And um, his medical bill is being covered. It's reported to be 100,000 quid already. 
And now she's changed her profile picture on Twitter, uh, of, a picture of her with her stepfather. Oh, nothing like still milking it, eh, Bianca? It's so funny, actually. Seeing as only a short while ago you were slating him to the ground, darling. But, of course, when it suits... When it suits. Best best you stay in Australia. I think that's a very good place to go to. Very good place. So is it is it um, an area of privacy if the Duchess is walking along a beach? It's an Italian magazine. I think it's the same magazine that printed nude pictures of Prince Andrew. They couldn't care. Listen, if somebody is foolish enough to go out there onto an island and walk about naked, you know how big these camera lenses are now. They can go miles. They can go miles. Somebody's out to sea on a, on a boat, bobbing around on the beautiful briny. And there she is, walking along a beach, you know, in a bikini, and she's pregnant. And they say here, William will fight to protect his wife. Well, stop her walking around pregnant. It's fairly simple. You're not going to stop this magazine. They're going to print them, and you know damn well that they're going to be printed in the paper in this country. Somebody will push the boat out and go, listen, they've now been printed here. They cannot go round the world stopping pictures of themselves. I'm terribly sorry. You can't have it both ways. You cannot be royal one minute and then pretend you're just an ordinary person and it's an invasion of privacy. It doesn't work. OK? You never find the Queen. You know, we've, we've had the Queen having to pick up the pieces for a few minor members of the royals. I mean, dear God in heaven, Sarah... Sarah... forgot the name already... Um, Sarah Ferguson... Oh, I deliberately forgot her name. I was trying to airbrush her out of history completely. Sarah Ferguson... I mean, she thrives in front of the camera. She couldn't care less whether they took a picture of her looking looking dreadful or whether she looked absolutely stunning. So, you know, William, I hate to say this, because we're all big fans, big, big fans, but stop her walking about on a beach. You know, you walk about on a beach, there's going to be somebody offshore in a boat with a telephoto lens, they're going to take a picture and they're going to print them. And the paper and the magazine will sell loads. Apparently, they say here, the Duke and Duchess are furious. Yet again, they're unable to have a holiday without apparently imagining images being taken against their will. Well, it's kind of tough. I hate to point out the patently obvious. I mean, be like Chantel Houghton. Take your own photographer with you. You know, and I have a number of other, other third-rate celebrities. Celebrities. We use the term so loosely nowadays, ladies and gentlemen. So that's it. I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. Italian magazine wants to pay for pictures. The photographer's been brave enough to go out there and take them. You've got to put up with it. You've absolutely got to put up with it. It comes with the territory. I'm ever so sorry. If you don't like it, well, then sort of live in a bivouac on a beach or something. Or go to an island where you're in the middle and it's totally private. But if you walk along a beach that can be seen from the sea, you're asking for trouble. I shouldn't have to point that out to you. But quite clearly, nobody, nobody nowadays has any privacy whatsoever. You'd have thought that they'd have learnt their lesson after the last time, or at least learned to not make it matter at all. We'll have another quick break here. When we're back, you'll hear about a big mistake made by Eamon Holmes. Oh, dear. Never mind. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, love was in the air because it's Valentine's Day. It's all a load of old commercial rubbish as far as I'm concerned, but I don't doubt many of you got some cards or some flowers or maybe even a completely overpriced meal. <sighs> Valentine's Day. I don't know. Did you, did you buy, I love the, the way that the papers have still got adverts for flowers. You know, if you've left it this late, I'd give up and go home now. 
because you can you can buy twelve roses. I think it's twelve roses uh, in Tesco for a fiver, and you think you cheapskate. That's the most it's worth, is it? You know, a lifetime full of love, fiver. Thank you very much indeed. Not very good at all, is it? Not very good at all. Uh, nice to see Eamon Holmes having to grovel yesterday, as yet again this morning did another cock-up. The last time was with Philip Schofield, when he inadvertently flashed a list of paedophile names. Eamon Holmes the other day, unfortunately on the programme, they showed the pictures of uh, Kate's bump on the beach, and they didn't know about it. What are they employing in their control room? Are they five-year-olds? Or have they done it going, listen, if we just get them to apologise, we can show it. We're going to make all the papers. They've made all the papers. All Eamon has to do is do one of his grovelling, you know, tugging of the forelock kind of thing. But uh, you've blown your chance of any knighthood of CB or anything else, mate, out the window completely. They'll have your head on a block before the end of the week, I should imagine. So um, ITV chump flashes pictures of Kate's bump. I mean, that comes down to vision control. That comes down to the editor of the programme. That comes down to the person producing there saying, oh, flash this up here. Nobody flashes them up inadvertently. Somebody's got to tell you to do it and it's got to be brought up on the desk. It's exactly the same. I can't turn on any of these other microphones in the studio. They've got to be done by the producer. So, you know, if inadvertently you heard somebody swear, the other side of the studio, because like we always have a, an audience, as you know, in the studio in the morning to watch the programme going out. This morning, we've got ten of you. Hello? All right, don't say anything then. I don't mind. And they sit there and watch the programme going out. But if inadvertently the producer pushes their microphone up, then you're going to hear them swearing. But it's nothing to do with me. I can't touch it. It can only be done by the producer. And so when they uh, have to apologise, and Eamon Holmes had to do this grovelling apology, it's a case of they've got coverage. They're not bothered about it. They're a bit like the supermarkets and the horse meat. The supermarkets are only getting uppity because you found out about the horse meat. They've known about it for donkey's years. They can't be that stupid. And I think it was, I forget which, which one of the, uh, the critics writing in the paper today was talking about, oh, now Asda have cut out their meatballs because they fear that pork has probably got in there as well. I did say the other day, a little bit of an embarrassment to the Muslim uh, people who don't want to eat pork because of their religious beliefs. It's a bit like horse meat. It's not going to do you any harm. It's just you don't want to eat it. But I can't see any Muslims. Most Muslims make their own meatballs, I should imagine. They don't go in and buy frozen ones in Waitrose or go to Asda. It's just not the kind of thing that people do, is it? If you're Muslim... I mean, the majority of Indian... But you don't think they go out and buy the Indian range, do you? At Waitrose or the Chinese people going and buy the Chinese food in, uh, in Marks and Spencers. No, absolutely not. Um, I think it's Rod Little. I think it's Rod Little who's talking about... The uh, the food. Now, is he, was he talking about the food? Let's have a quick look here. Um, he might not have been, actually. He might not have been. But uh, he says... Oh, that's right. He said, notice how this hot horse meat business is all the fault of evil foreigners and criminals. That's because everybody's too scared to point the finger of blame at the real villains. The big supermarkets. Uh, they're the ones who don't give a monkeys about what was in the meat they passed off to consumers as beef. They just bought the cheapest, lowest-grade muck they could find and now pretend to be shocked when we found out what it's actually in it. I tried to get an interview with Tesco, he said, but some haughty madam in the press office said they were not talking to the press at all. Rod says, I bet you're not. Hopefully, though, you'll end up talking to the old Bill. I reckon it's more worth making the effort to stay away from the supermarkets and shop in the local high street if you have one. Now, what have I said all the time? Go to the local high street. The real, the big supermarkets, they want to close down the high street. The former boss of Tesco said that. He said they're archaic. He said people want to shop in the big supermarkets. No, we don't, mate. No, we don't. 
Because the big supermarkets cheat you. They tell you it's beef, and it's not. And they carry on selling it. And then they go, oh, we're so sorry, so sorry. But we've sold about 300 tonnes of this crap food, and you've bought it, suckers. They don't care. They don't care about you. They couldn't care less. You could go in there and argue till the cows come home, I should imagine, in Waitrose. You know, I bought these uh, these beef meatballs. Yeah, what do you want us to do about it? Well, I've eaten them now, haven't I? But they've got pork in. And my religion says I'm not supposed to eat pork. Perhaps they should have demonstrations by women in burkas outside Waitrose. You can just see it, can't you? Because, if truth be known, it doesn't, it doesn't do you any harm eating horse. There's no problem with it. There's no, there's no sort of medical evidence to say that you're going to drop dead. That makes no difference at all. The problem is that they've lied to you on the packaging. They've said it's one thing, and we now know it's not. That's what it comes down to. It's a case of lying to somebody. You know, if they say this is made with all butter, I'm expecting it to be all butter because I trust them. I'm naive and stupid enough to trust the supermarkets and to say, yep, don't worry, if you say it's all butter cookies, then I'm convinced it's all butter cookies. The fact that it could be some cheap, low-grade margarine will only be discovered, and of course you'll all be knowing about it, won't you? Because that's what happens. You eat this sort of stuff, and then later on they go, well, actually, it's not what it is. It's not what it is. Do you know there's a picture of a girl in the paper today? Well, it's not a girl, it's a bloke who's had a sex change at 16, and is going out with this bloke who works in a cafe, and he says, she's stunning, we're in love, I don't care, she used to be called Jack. You know, which is fine. I never quite understand transsexuals, though. Why they have this insatiable urge to tell everybody? You know, I used to be a bloke. So? So? I used to be £6, three ounces, and I go rushing around telling everybody. Why do they have to do it? And apparently she's been in Miss England. Well, they'll be re-evaluating that one, I should imagine, now. Now to include transsexuals. And so here it is, and uh, she's found love and romance. But I think she's been in the papers before. She's quite clearly... It's like, you know, we had the one on Big Brother. Do you remember? I can't remember what it was, but that was female to male. Looked like a woman, as far as I was concerned. Looked exactly like a woman. But they can't wait to tell you. So I've got a little secret. Have you? Oh, God, what is it? You dread it. Your heart drops, doesn't it, on Big Brother? When one of the contestants goes, I've got a secret. I think I can confide in you and all the millions of people watching. I used to be a woman. No kidding. No, Like we're all supposed to be surprised now. I'm not surprised by anybody. If somebody tells me, you know, there used to be a midget working in a circus, I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. I, I do love the comment, though, from Ollie Murs today. It has to be one of my favourite comments, because you know that uh, Ollie thinks that he's got acting ability. I think not, love. I think not. It's, it's like, what was the other day? Who did they send over to Hollywood? He was pictured in Hollywood eating a takeaway, bless his heart. Sid uh, Watsit from EastEnders. Sid, can't remember his name, Sid Owen. And they go, Sid's, Sid's exactly the sort of person they're looking for. I thought, yeah, to park cars, not to act. He's got no acting ability. Whatsoever. I love it when they go over there and they go, I think, I'm, I think I'll go to America and make it as an actor. Don't be so stupid. The people parking your cars have got more acting experience than you have. So they sent him over there, go, because he can play the hard man. I thought, Sid Owen? Are we talking about the same person? Sid Owen? I don't think so. And when Ollie Murs, apparently, you know, wants to sort of become an action movie star, you think, I don't think so. I mean, the nearest he's actually going to get is, um, he says, I love action films. I'd love to do acting at some point in the future. Now it's music, but it's all about uh, progression. I love the way they sort of go, um, I think I'll, I'll do music for, for a while, then I think I'll do acting. You know, then I think I'll get run over by a bus or something. But he does say here, I mean, a more realistic role for him would be as a cameo 
in the Only Wears Essex movie that's being talked about. Although, who's going to go and see that? I can't imagine. But uh, there's only one problem. He's never seen the show. He's never seen The Only Way is Essex. He does say, he says, I've never watched TOWIE. If you live in Essex, you tend to hate it because it's not a true representation of who we are. Well, that's absolutely right. It's got nothing to do with Essex at all. It's got to do with some over-made-up old Thai lady boys who mince up and down Brentwood High Street pretending that they're women called the Fahir Sisters. You know what they are, don't you? They've got a dress shirt. They've got Amy Childs. I mean, they're all, they're all grotesque caricatures. You won't find anything more grotesque than a drunk Chloe Sims falling in or out of a taxi in the early hours of the morning. That's how bad it is. People in Essex go, don't associate us. Nothing to do with that lot of old bags. I feel sorry for the Pope. He's giving up the, the deity job. He's looking frailer by the moment. He is. I mean, literally. I mean, I'd, I'd, the other... But when we, have, we haven't seen him for ages, have we? We've not seen the pontiff for ages. I don't think that they want two popes. I think it's an embarrassment. I think because they've all been thrown sideways by this thing. They're kind of stuck with him, but I think secretly they're all going, if His Holiness dies, then we're OK. But to have two running side by side isn't really the best, the best situation. It's not the best thing that can go on. But he is looking frailer and frailer and frailer, and he looks exhausted. He's 85. Sometimes it affects people, doesn't it? You go through your whole life and you're all bouncy-bouncy. Somebody said to me, Nick Ferrari said to me the other day, because I went for my eye test, he said, how did it go? And I said, OK, fine, you know, I think they have to check for the, for the glaucoma, and they've got a... You can look at it and it looks fine, but they have to enlarge the blood vessels so that they can see whether there's any little red or white dots on there, which is the onset of glaucoma, which is not really what you want to see. So it all looked fine, and she said to me, she said, we'll, we'll check, in two weeks you'll get the results, and then don't you see for another six months? I thought, yeah, fantastic. So Nick said, what was it like? I said, I don't know, you do worry. As you get a bit older, you start getting more aches and pains. You know, you lie there in bed, you think, oh, what, what the dickens is that? I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't discovered that one before, and I stubbed my little toe yesterday. Oh, the pain. The, I can't tell you the pain. Oh, the t- I, I rammed it into a piece of metal, not intentionally, and I walked, I went, oh, oh, trying to be big and brave and butch, you know, oh, oh, it absolutely ate. And the small, so I limped coming in, which is never a good look, I always think, because you need a stick, and the stick's in the boot of the car. So I might actually walk around with a walking stick later on. But today we've got the blood test in the doctors, and I know she's going to want to examine my feet. I know they do that. So I have to, I have to rush home, quickly sort of, you know, tidy the feet up a little bit. If it doesn't touch my little toe, I'll go through the blooming ceiling. And, uh, and then we'll do that. But Nick said to me, he said, if you get past 52, apparently, he said, that means you're OK. You know, and for, and for a small moment, I felt quite good about it. I thought, well, I've got... Well, anyway, so I thought, you know, when I get to 52, it'll be quite nice. Then it means you can sort of you go the other side and then, you know, you live longer than everybody else. That's the theory behind it. The other theory is I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> but uh, as long as I make it to Christmas, I don't really care. Ever the optimist. I'm back tomorrow at four to see you through another week Don't forget you can download the full podcast of the show from the LBC 97.3 website, which is lbc.co.uk, as well as the free extra podcast, which is up there every day. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. After the break, you'll hear from Cara Toynton and Kimberly Walsh for In Conversation. But first, the news at six.